on today's edition of Across the Cavs, we welcome Donnie Shea, writes for a number of different outlets, but the Philadelphia 76ers and the G League. You won't find anybody more invested in their team than Donnie is in that Philly squad. So coming up next on Across the Cavs, Donnie Shea joins me as we talk about the battle between Cleveland and Philly slated for Friday night. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. We are about six weeks away from playoff basketball. And to be honest, the Cavs look nowhere near ready with what's been going on of late. I personally apologize. I've been a little less active. You still get in the weekly podcast, missed a couple games, had a couple other things to do in the evening hours, but did watch last night and we're playing a Charlotte team that's been ice, ice cold. Well, great for Isaiah Thomas that he played good basketball, but at, at the same time, you don't want to see him have his first good game of the season when he's been out of the league for so long against your team. Look, I love Isaiah. A lot of Cavs fans don't. He did us a little dirty, whatever. But that's a bad loss. You couldn't rebound. You couldn't score. Garland should not score 33 in a 20-point loss. Again, I know other people are out. No Levert, no Rondo, but come on. But we're not going to talk about last night at all. There's nothing to talk about. Isaiah had his moments. The game was solid. We got today's guest who I mentioned in the intro. We go way back. He and I go back over eight years. We recorded on my previous podcast that you may or may not know, Sportitude. That is where the whole Zach Weiss podcasting life began. Is Donnie Shea, former Endicott College grad like myself. He's from Maine. He loves the Sixers. And I'm excited. Donnie and I have not recorded since 2017. So without further ado, Donnie, it's great to welcome you on to Across the Cavs, man. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Always a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that you guys should know about Donnie, yes, this is a half going to be half Cavs, half Sixers, is that I get a, I get a message from him every game night at some point, whether it's the first, second, third, or fourth quarter, saying, and it's a picture of the game, saying tuned in. And now... Yes, just like me, just like a lot of a lot of you guys that listen, Donnie does love his basketball, but he chooses the Cavs. Why is that? Why the Cavs? I respect it though, but why? Um, I just I mean, you guys are exceeding expectations and you're fun to watch. You're you bring the energy every night, it seems. And um, I don't know. Evan Mobley's very fun to watch. Uh going back two years ago, I've been following him. Um, since high school, his senior year in high school. Um, but he's just fun to watch, his versatility. He can really do it all out there. And what really amazes me is how calm he seems out there. The game doesn't seem to be too fast. He seems very patient and just he plays within himself, which is very impressive for a rookie. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, Donnie, you were at his high school showcase at the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts uh, in 2020, right before everything shut down? Yeah, just like uh, within a month of everything being shut down uh, for COVID, watched him live at Springfield in a D3 college gym. Uh, He matched up against Hunter Dickinson. They played DeMatha, which is where uh, Markel Fultz went for the fans that are listening. But (laughs) it was a good experience. It was pretty fun. Yeah, you know, that that sounds great. And anyone, obviously, I know most of my following is in Ohio. 
You all know I'm not in Ohio. I'm in New Jersey. Yes, yeah, still a Cavs fan. Been a Cavs fan two decades. But the Basketball Hall of Fame, if you've never been, absolute must. For me, it's only two and a half hours. Obviously, I'm lucky to be so close. I've been three different times. Met Charles Oakley once. Met Shemi Ojale once. No real Cleveland in there. And the third time, shot on the court for two hours. Great place to be. It's great that Donnie had the chance to have a Mobley before we did. And I don't think there's ever going to be a rookie or a guy. And as great as Mobley's been, this isn't a knock on him. Some nights he'll have five points, six rebounds, no blocks. Some nights he'll have 25, 10, but he has the same engagement level regardless. His impact is high because of his defensive ability and length. So it's been a joy to watch him, and it's cool to hear about watching him before he made the NBA. And so we talk a little bit about him, Donnie. It's been a weird year for the Sixers. You know, your point guard never actually played. You ended up trading him to another team. You got a new star who we're going to talk about, James Harden. But all things considered, you know, uh, whether through the COVID protocols, when George Niang was playing center and when Danny Green was playing 35 minutes and when they, they had to they had to do so much with that rotation, but they've gotten hot. How do you grade the season as a whole, considering everything they've been through? I mean, going into the year with Ben not on the team, <laughs> uh, it sort of felt like a throwaway year where, we could just uh, get Embiid maybe his MVP award, and then that's it. Maybe a first-round exit. Maybe we win one series in the playoffs. But it really felt like a throwaway year up until the trade deadline when all those hardened rumors were heating up. And uh, so I'd have to give it an A at this point because, I mean, it just flipped around. We're right in contention now with, two top 10 players in the league and and Maxi's emerging and I don't know it's just really encouraging yeah and I feel like the Sixers are a team that have a lot of guys that do one thing really well and struggle with others whether we talk about Korkmaz and his shooting Danny Green in some cases he's a good defender but he's obviously known for shooting with Seth Curry was pretty much do everything on offense and just get the job done on defense with Tyrese Maxi, it's pretty much he's an electric offensive player and I feel like he's not known for too much else for Tobias Harris it's give him 15 and Embiid is obviously the exception where he can do everything and Matisse Tybal obviously you know defends like Andre Robertson like Tabo Cephalosha like last last week's guest Ronnie Brewer in his prime used to do like Tony Allen but just don't kill the team on the other end so it's cool that he's become a starter replacing Danny I think he's more valuable I don't know if he'll get all NBA defense but the fact that he made it last year averaging about 18 minutes a game agree with it or not I think is really cool and on the Cavs end you know I think you know we're 36 and 24 we've had some great moments and it's unfortunate that being 12 games over 500 isn't even good enough for, for Cavs fans now given where they were previously at but I think you consider that Lowry Markkinen missed 12 games Lavert uh, now he's hurt he should be back next week hopefully at the end of next week He's had to learn the system. Rondo's missed a ton of games. So thankfully, we have Brandon Goodwin to fill in when he can't play. Sexton only played 11. Rubio only played another month after Sexton. Then he went down. We had a stretch without Allen, Mobley, and Love. Lost five in a row. But 12 games over 500. They're heading toward the playoffs. And I think the biggest reason for that is just confidence and uh, team building. You know, they added Lowry. They experimented with him at the three. I didn't like it when it happened, but he can play the three just fine for my liking. 
you know, you got Evan Mobley, you can play the four and the five, and you add a more unique five than when you have Jared Allen at five, who's a perfect five, but you take him out, you slide Mobley, and you, the team spreads the floor a little better. And sure, Mobley's only shooting 27% from three. He's made 19. I think he'll put more work in, in the offseason to get better with that. And I think Isaac Okoro, for all the smack people have talked about him, I think he's had an incredible year. I think his offense is getting a little better. He is shooting higher three-point percenters than Mobley, if that even means anything. <laughs> but Okoro's defense has been great. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff talked about that recently. And it's the guys like the Lamar Stevenses and the Dean Wades that have just stayed prepared, obviously, Kevin Love. So that being said, Donnie, we are going to preview the actual game in a little while, but quick prediction of who wins Cavs Sixers without any analysis yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I uh, – hmm. all right, I have a quick score, but it's 114-102 Philly. Okay. And close through three, and then they Sixers sort of pull away at the end, like last meeting. Okay, I respect that. You know, I'm I'm gonna take the Cavs just because I can't take the Sixers. Uh, we'll, we'll keep yeah. we'll keep both ends. You keep a mini bet in there, but uh, I'll, I'll go. Cavs still have the number one scoring defense in the league, so I think we're gonna struggle to contain at Joel Embiid, and I think you'll be happy about that. But I I think with as far as Harden goes, I'm very excited to watch Okoro. And should Okoro get in foul trouble, I think we're gonna see a lot of Lamar Stevens this time. I think they could more than, than handle – he'll have a good statistical performance, but I think it's going to be a sloppy one. I think it's going to be his worst one with Philly. I'll go 108-105. I'll take the Cavs. And so now, Donnie, we're going to backpedal because these teams did meet just a, what three – it's already been three weeks. Time flies, I guess. But uh, they met three weeks ago after the trade. Sixers were slightly shorthanded. I believe this might have been Millsap's first significant minutes as a backup. Although, did he, or maybe did he play? I think, no, I think he oh. got like introduced on the Jumbotron that night. Okay, I think so. You probably had Niang. It's Niang or Tobias is backup five. All right, that being said, Paul though. Paul Reed, I think, played like 15. Oh, Paul Reed. My mistake. Yeah. Yes. Paul Reed, get it out the mud. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the Sixers got it done. Joel Embiid dunked on Jared Allen. He silenced John Michael and Austin Carr, which you very rarely see Austin Carr silent for a possession. That dunk just silenced everybody. Embiid put on an impressive performance. I believe he tripped, might have, tri- did he triple double that night? Yeah, 40 point triple double. 40 point triple double, dunk of the night, play of the night. Uh, what surprised you most when these teams got together for the first time? So late in the year, but what was the biggest surprise for you? Yeah, um, I figured that uh, the duo of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, I figured that their length would have posed more challenges to Embiid. And I was really surprised at how easy the 40 point triple double seemed to come for Embiid in that game but um I have a I have a uh, stat line here Jared Allen this year averages roughly 16 and 11 with 1.3 blocks and in 11 games in his career versus Embiid he's averaging 10 points and seven rebounds and has a total of eight blocks so Wow. His numbers sort of diminish a little bit against Embiid, which makes sense. But. Yeah, that's that's definitely a big stat. You know, Allen did have 13 and five last game, so he passed one. He had the one block. But, yeah, we look at Embiid. I mean, he killed – he really murdered us. There's no nice nice way for me to say it. I mean, he had 40 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, you know, 14 of 15 at the line. You know, so I, I obviously don't enjoy the style he sometimes has or how often he gets to the line and how he gets there. 
and some of the action. But nonetheless, if it works, it works. And when he does get the calls in his favor, he always capitalizes. You don't, you really never saw centers that are great free throw shooters over the years. And yeah, Hakeem and Patrick Ewing were formidable. Brooke Lopez was very solid in the, in the upper 70s, but Joel Embiid is at free throws at a guard rate. You know, 14 out of 15 in this game, you know, with 25 against the Knicks uh, the last <laughs> Sunday. That was a great game. It was my first time actually really seeing the new big three for Philly. Cool that Tyrese Maxey in his second year is already part of a big three. He's been awesome. But, I mean, other than Embiid, no one did anything. The rest of the team only had 63. You know, and Tobias had 11. Maxey had 16. No one else showed up. They didn't have Harden yet. But... And on the other end, Cavs end. I mean, we got Darius dropped 27, but one assist. It was hard. Bench had 25, uh, 27 for the Cavs. Should have done more than that, you know. And two of them came in garbage time. I think Cavs not having Levert this time is going to make things a little interesting. I think you're going to need a big day from Jetty. I think we need more Kevin Love minutes. But my big surprise was the fact that I'd say same as you and Bede absolutely went off for 40. And so Donnie, this MVP race is, is absolutely nuts. And thank goodness there's no cap player anywhere close. So I can be real about it and not have to fake a Darius Garland's the best player. No, he's he's a top, top one of the top point guards for sure. But player, not yet. He's 21, 22. DeRozan's in the mix. Jokic is in the mix. Giannis is in the mix. John Moran slid slide, slid, slid himself into the mix. DeMar DeRozan's been crazy. And obviously you have Joel Embiid. And so there's a lot of factors we can look at. You know, you have Jokic, the highest efficiency season ever. Giannis, who has the pretty much, they played a lot of games without Drew. They've had a lot of injuries in other spots. They switched a lot of lineups. They lost their center in game one. You look at DeRozan, his efficiency. He had a, a streak that not even Wilt ever had. I think it was 35 points and 50% shooting eight in a row, seven in a row. Never happened more than six from Jordan or Wilt. I mean, Morant will not come anywhere close, but he had three 40-point games in his last five, including a 50-burger. 50-burgers are not common in Grizzlies history. Vancouver never won anything, and Memphis has never had a dominant scorer before. Rudy Gay does not count because he's only averaging about 20. It's very clear that John Morant is going to be the best Grizzly of all time within two or three years. But is MB your MVP, not favorite? Is he your runaway, or is it too hard to peg right now, even with how well he played in the absence of Simmons and some other guys? Um, I don't think it's unattainable for Jokic. I think Jokic is second. He's the closest. But I don't think it's unattainable for Jokic to win MVP. But in my mind, if Embiid is the scoring leader, which he is right now, and if he is at the end of the year and the Sixers are a higher seed than Denver, then I think that pretty much just cements him as the MVP. Um, he's only missed 12 games this year, um, which I think Jokic has missed six. So pretty comparable there. But I don't know. I think unless Embiid loses, <laughs> loses uh, steam, then – then I think he's going to be MVP. Yeah. So uh, also, I think Maxi should be getting way more most imp most improved player buzz. I don't really understand why he's not. I think Desmond Bain's been a little too impressive in his starting role, and I think there might be a couple other guys. But I mean, look at Embiid. 
and he's never logged more than 64 games. Injuries have played him every year. He has actually played, but it's crazy. He's only played, if you add regular season and playoffs, 300, 343, uh, the impact he's had nonetheless. I mean, that's, he's averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, points are a career high, 4.4 assists, career high, one steal, 1.5 blocks. Those have dropped a bit since his rookie year. But 37% from deep, 81% on 12 free throws a night. I mean, he's got a pair of triple doubles. Just for reference, we got 30, 11, and 4. We'll go Giannis, we'll go Jokic. Giannis averaging 29, 12, and 6 with one steal, 1.4 blocks, with shooting splits of 54, 30, and 73% of the lines is highest in a couple of years. Oh. And then, yeah, we got Jokic, who is averaging 25, 14, and 8, shooting splits of 56, 36, and 81, with a career-high 1.4 steals. And DeMar is averaging 28, 5, and 5, shooting 52% from the field, 86 from the line, which is a career-high. Now, he shouldn't win. 28, 5, and 5 doesn't give you MVP. I think it's just... It's a bit of a Bulls bias. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's been unreal. Like, he was great on the Raptors. He was doing similar things with a little less efficiency and getting no love. Like, he averaged 22, 6, and 6. It's very similar numbers for the Spurs, just six less points two years ago, three years ago. But I guess they weren't winning. He wasn't clutch like that. He's been a joy to watch for certain. And I also think, that's just clear the air on this. DeRozan should not get any first place or second place votes. He's been great. But 28, 5, and 5 is nothing when you think about the three guys ahead of him that should split the votes with one guy getting a few more than the other, right? Yeah, I agree. And especially the top three's uh, defensive impact, uh, it's definitely more influential than DeRozan on the defensive end. So I think that puts them over the top compared to DeMar. Absolutely. And it has been fun to watching him and Levine, for sure, because obviously – DeMar and Kyle Lowry were very tight. We didn't know what was going to happen when he went to the Spurs. He did play great ball, but we don't know how happy or whatnot he was. Everything was a rumor. It is good to see him happy. Obviously, he can never beat the Cavs in the playoffs. Hopefully, that continues if they meet this year, which, which it might, depending on the rest of the year. But, you know, I am happy he's playing so well from a, from a Cav perspective, from an NBA perspective, and just from something where he's had an incredible career. He just He's gotten blamed for so much that really wasn't his fault. And when the Raptors traded him and won, it's like, oh, was DeMar holding him back? No, you just got Kawhi Leonard, and you replaced him with it. But anyway, all right. Cavs play the Sixers tomorrow night, as we said. We've got a lot more to talk about. Donnie, what's your key matchup in this one? What, Who versus who is going to really have a large impact on determining the outcome? Um, I think it's just the fact uh, – I think the all-star centers, Jared Allen versus Joel Embiid, if Jared Allen can stay in the game and not get in foul trouble, then that's the Cavs' best chance of containing Embiid and the Sixers. So I think that's really the key for the Cavs is to keep uh, Jared Allen out of foul trouble and keep him in the game so that he can protect the rim a little bit. Yeah, if we remember correctly from that Sixers a few years ago, Ed Davis did not have a great time. Uh, going against Joel Embiid. I mean, he had Jared Allen too, but we don't expect to see Ed Davis in this game. So hopefully foul trouble. And if he, if he has to come in, so be it. I watched him uh, get a near double-double against the Nets starting, uh, splitting minutes with Taco that night because everyone else was out. 
but uh, for me, I think it actually come. I think it'll come down to the battle of a Coral versus Harden. Obviously, Harden's going to have more of every single offensive category, but I think a Coro's defense on Harden could go a long way for us and just keeping him honest, you know, and when he takes these step backs, you're going to have to live with it. If he, he's probably going to break Reggie Miller's record. So we're going to have to watch these highlights for years to come when Harden, if Harden ever eventually can get to number two ahead of Ray Allen, then it's funny. It's going to be the third time Reggie Miller could get passed. It might be the first that's not on national TV though, <laughs> but um, it should be, we should be on that. This game should be on national TV. I don't know who else is on yeah. tomorrow, but I know they flexed a few games. I guess we'll have to wait for the postseason or the play-in, whatever. Postseason for sure, actually. But uh, my matchup's a Coral versus Harden. I think if you're making Harden do it all, all jump shots, you have a better chance of him not going off and not getting the same rhythm. Just with how he plays, if you're making him shoot threes, you can't get a rhythm shooting late clock step backs because there's, you, he, there's no defensive rhythm to guard it and there's no offensive rhythm to keep it. Like, yeah, it might feel good. A lot of them might go in, but would you agree though, Donnie, there's no rhythm with it. Like if the Cavs can do that and keep him out of the lane, it would improve their chances of winning regardless of how yeah, many he actually makes. <laughs> yeah. Cause if he gets into the lane, he's drawing fouls and he's drawing other defenders and then he can kick it out. So I think it's definitely beneficial to try to keep him on the perimeter. Let's not let James Harden score 61 or 50 or 40 or even 30. Let's keep, let's keep him under 20. Let's get, let's get the press talking about why James Harden didn't have a good game against the Cavs and have the Philly. Philly does have very good coverage, but let's, let's have them overreact to this one game. That's what I want to see happen, but (laughs) thank you. I'll take it. Uh, Nonetheless though, you know, it's only been three games, two against the Knicks for that matter. Who I don't know what to say. Uh, Free Cam Reddish still. But uh, have you liked James Harden? Is this what you expected? Oh. Uh, it's more than I expected. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, we're 3-0. and He slotted into Simmons' role perfectly and added the elite shooting, which is pretty wild. Um, and, oh, where is it here? Oh, I just have a stat right here. Yep. Maxi, Joel, and James Harden are the first trio of teammates to each score 20 plus points in their first three games together in NBA history. You hear that, Heatles? Incredible. You hear that, Heatles? They're the first. But it's pretty wild to watch Maxi take such a step forward. And I was saying before the Harden trade that I would include him in a Harden trade because <laughs> I wanted Harden that bad. But now it's making me look really dumb. <laughs> hey, well, maybe their nickname could be Hard Max. If you, if you need one, Hard Max can work pretty well. <laughs> you know, we have Sex Land. You guys have Hard Max, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, yeah. the same, it's the same double, double kind of, double kind of, it's the same double-edged sword with what it could mean. <laughs> and they're both very effective when on the court together. So, I mean, I'd very much be down for that. And that being said... You know, I'd love to see Colin Sexton resign, you know, when he comes back. You know, I, I assume Harden will resign. And I'm going to ask you that in a little while. But I think uh, seeing Colin come back, whatever his role is next year, my theory has been a, a very large one-year deal. And then if he performs at the level we expect, then you max him after. Again, I don't know. They might want to max him regardless of the injury. I don't know. Meniscus usually doesn't derail anything beyond the one season. 
So any thoughts on the Cavs doing, giving sex like the, like the JJ Redick or KCP type uh, four or five years ago, deal one year, 20, so 20 or so mil. And then you give them a max after that. Or do you think they kind of have to pay him this summer if they want to do that for the long term? Uh, I don't know. I think they'll probably just have to pay him for an extended deal. I, yeah. I can't imagine he's going to take a one-year yeah. uh, balloon deal. But me, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. I know no one has agreed with that. No one's disagreed with it. That's just what I think they should do if he was open. But then again, my hope for the offseason is bring back Colin, bring back Karras, and then re- bring Rubio back once his contract expires following this season. And then you'll get a little insurance because he'll probably miss the start of next season. And then he'll eventually return because his, he was way too valuable to, to let go. Obviously he's still only 31, but, uh, and for me watching James Harden, I mean, just, wow. He looked like he didn't care with the nets. You know, he wore a fat suit in Houston <laughs> and then he was on an injury report for something new every night. Steve Nash said, we're not trading him, but honestly, no blame. I don't know what he's supposed to say. Like, well, yeah, we're going to trade James Harden. Yeah. Tell, tell the press that I said we're going to trade him. No, of course he sees him staying. What do you think he's – they handle all these things. Like, in, in some cases, the media has to understand what they're asking, who they're asking, and the platform they're asking it on. It, it, it's no joke. Like, it, it makes sense why they do or don't. But I, I've enjoyed uh, watching Harden thrive. I don't enjoy his style of play when he's not on a team I'm rooting for, to be completely frank. But, if again, it works – I didn't like that they took like 40 free throws, him and Embiid, the other night. But again, the refs do have – the fouls are called because there is some kind of contact. They sell it, whatever. But it works. And if they're winning games, I think you got to like that. And so the last time the Sixers made a splash like this, they acquired Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris at the deadline, giving them a five-man unit of Simmons, Redick, Butler, Embiid, and Harris – which is absolutely incredible for a number of reasons. You know, they'd sent Covington packing and uh, Dario. Uh, they didn't get past second round because Kawhi shot. Jimmy didn't re-sign. And then he, was, he goes to Miami. Uh, Redick, after another year, winds up in New Orleans. And so didn't work out. Is it title or bust right now with Harden and impending free agent? The Harris contract, kind of an issue and well, I guess that's really it. There's not a ton of other factors. Is it title or bust this year, you think, uh, for the Sixers? Embiid, I know, is so hungry to get there, and I haven't seen a star more invested that's never been out of the second round before be as invested as he is in wanting to get there because everyone has that drive. We saw his face after the Raptors game. We saw what he said after the bubble, and we saw what he said after last year. Well, the bubble, I guess, is different. They didn't have Ben. But we saw after the Hawks series how he felt like he let the city down when, it really, when he had the perfect playoff. So is it title or bust, or do they have more time? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not going to be the end of the world if they don't win the title this year, but I think they're definitely thinking that, like, their goal is to win the title, of course. And um, we don't really know how long Embiid's MVP prime is going to last, so I think it was really important for Maury to – facilitate a Simmons trade when he did because it's not I mean his health isn't guaranteed next year his performance isn't guaranteed next year so I mean we're going at a year at a time it seems like right now and so yeah I think that fast buys is 
title or brass. Yeah, I agree. They'll, they'll get to a finals. We'll just have to see what happens when they get there because the West has three teams that no one should want to see. You know, who knew that trading Valanciunas for Steven Adams would actually help the Grizzlies? I hated the trade at first, but Steven Adams has been awesome as a locker room presence, as a screen setter, as a highlight reel. That full court thing to Morant makes no sense. It's absolutely crazy. If you guys haven't seen it, 0. 0.4 on the clock. Off a make, Steven Adams chucks the ball 85 feet. Morant catches and does an alley-oop on the other end from about 14 feet, makes it as time expires. They had the bare minimum number of seconds to do that, and it worked. Uh, He's been great. My thoughts on the Sixers, yeah, pretty much the same as you. Year to year, make sure you get Harden for at least a couple seasons. Don't do this two-year deal. Like He hasn't signed a long-term contract in a long time. So, you know, give him whatever he needs. Find a way to move Harris like you moved Horford. And Horford did get you Danny Green, who, well, say, I think they got a pick too, right? Or they, no, they had to trade a pick. They had to trade a pick. Yeah. yeah. Was it only Danny Green that they kept from that trade? Just, uh, if you I don't remember, so. it's okay. Yeah. I, I think so too. It's no one, it's no one major either yeah. way. It's not the next choo choo Madua bump. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's Prospects not right. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. But I've enjoyed the Sixers. Obviously, I'm not a Sixers fan. They're probably my least favorite team in the league. You know that. Not everyone knows that. (laughs) Regardless, though, they are a very good basketball team. And regardless of if you enjoy a team or not, you got to talk about them on an even playing field. And from that perspective, they have an incredible backcourt. They got shooters. They got defense. And they just got to figure a few things out, figure out the playoff rotation, because they've gotten a little deep, not like super deep. They also... Actually, let's let's move ahead with this. Uh, last question for you on Philly. Are you, are you happy about this DeAndre signing? You think that being back with Harden, who he thrived with last season, is a good thing? Or is this just uh, let's get one of his old friends in or let's just add a big man because we don't have another one? Uh, I think uh, Maury was trying to get Rivers a lob threat that could that Doc Rivers actually trusted and and he seems to not trust Paul Reed or Charles Bassey for some reason, even though they've flashed in their limited opportunity. But Paul Millsap is cooked. So uh, we need another option. And I, I think just another, another lob threat for Harden is huge. Uh, Jordan knows the pick and rolls, and Harden can just toss it up there for him. And he's also played with Rivers and well, under Rivers, and That's he right. played for one year with Harris on the Clippers. That's right. There's some yeah. chemistry there. But I think it was – I'm not complaining about it because I don't think Doc was ever going to use Paul Reed or Bassey in the playoffs. So we just needed another option as a backup center. You, so just need, more, you need more mud for him to get out of. <laughs> no, but I do like Paul Reed. I do hope he thrives because there's some guys like we're seeing Nick Stauskas, the old another process legend, ex-Cav. <laughs> when you put him in the G League, they're going to be the best player on the court. They just think they, they can't thrive against NBA competition. But uh, you never know. You never know. Isaiah right now could keep a spot if he plays well. That bench is not deep at all. They got well when they have Hayward back. It's literally just Harrell, Ubre, Martin and uh washington and some nights they won't always get a ton of run if you want i, I would if i'm them i keep thomas for that matter but i like the jordan signing 
overall, I think you do need a lob threat. It's very scary. Literally scary hours are invented from lob threats from James Harden. Because, yeah, he can score. He can do this. He can rebound. But he, he throws those lobs. Forget about <laughs> it. I mean, we love Darius to Allen, but I, I'm, I get scared watching these Harden lobs. They're always on the money, you know. Yeah. Um, that, that's what was a big part of Houston's success, too. I got some a quick stat to add to when I was writing about DeAndre Jordan uh, potentially coming to Philly. Uh, I found that he's made 60 field goals this season, and 28 of them have been alley oops, which is pretty crazy. Wow, that's and some of those came from Austin Reeves and Malik Monk, who probably never <laughs> threw any before this year. They usually on the dunking end. That's that's Malik Monk threw one to Miles Bridges, probably. Wow, though that is that's a good stat. I think. Uh, it's weird. I literally watched a real highlight reel of DeAndre's season this year, and he had some good moments. The issue is also that pass from the other night and <laughs> a couple other things where he's just not reliable. Then again, are you going to trust an older DeAndre and a very old Dwight as your only options when Davis is out? You know, that's, that's just terrible roster construction. Not It's not their fault. They're still in the league. They're viable, just not for more than a few minutes. But I, I think Jordan will help. I think what they should do with Embiid is play him in the playoffs the first 10 minutes of the first and third. Then they bring in DeAndre for the last two and then like another four or five. So you give him two, six or seven minute stretches and you get Embiid for the entire, for pretty much the entire first and third and the majority of the third of the second and fourth. That's my thought. I think it could work. And I think that if I'm a Cavs, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see Milwaukee was always the number one team. I didn't want to see in a series. I'm not going to say Philly yet. Cause we still have three more meetings to determine how it might go, but it's really Milwaukee and maybe Miami, anyone else. I think the Cavs could take at least head on and give them a fight. Anything can happen. Philly is still to be determined. Cause I want to see when, when Philly inevitably loses a couple games with Harden. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. I hope so. But when it does happen, how will they rebound? Where does the blame go? Make sure that in the public eye in these press conferences, they're not throwing blame. No disrespect on Harden, but it's very clear at the end of Brooklyn, he was just not in, he was not having a good time, not happy at all. The, the love fest faded fast over there. And so let's just see how things go when they're not winning. If it's all good, then I'd be very scared of them. If it changes, and they run into a situation in a tight series and final game like the Hawks last year, then we'll see. But a little bit about the Cavs, and then we'll wrap up here, Donnie. Two questions for you. We'll go one at a time. Garland's been awesome. Oh, yeah, Garland's been awesome this year. And there's no second way to describe it. Awesome, incredible player, all-star. Won't be all NBA, but probably something for the future. How impressed are you? And do you think that the Cavs could contend – and be better than they are even this year in the future with him as their number one option. Um, yeah, I definitely think, um, well, well, let me backtrack a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm, I've definitely been impressed with him this year. He's playing way better than I had expected. I didn't really know what to expect from him because I don't know, just limited sample size. It seemed like, but as a number one option, I don't know if he'll, I don't know if you guys will be contenders. I see Mobley more as your number one guy and, right. and uh, Garland more as the number two, but I don't see why not, why you guys can't contend with him as your point guard going forward. He seems to 
do it all offensively, and if he can just get to league average defensively, then geez, he's gonna he's gonna be really good for a long time. Yeah, I absolutely cannot wait, uh, you know, to see him again and with everyone around him. He just had to do so much. He handles it so well. But the Cavs are generally winning when his assists are up. So, like, one against Philly last time. He had three against <clears throat> Charlotte last night. You know, it's hard sometimes when they swarm you and you can't make clean passes. It turnovers happen. But I, I do want to see that number up. I think the key number for Garland tomorrow is eight. I want to see eight assists. I don't care about any other stat. That's my number one stat. Can Garland get eight assists, which means can he find teammates like he couldn't last time? They watch the tape. They see how they guarded him the first time. Now, how can you use that to your advantage now to open things up? And so you pick the Sixers. I pick the Cavs. Both both have our reasons, you know. But what do the Cavs have to do in on the other end uh, for you, Donnie, for them to actually be able to beat your Sixers? Um, As I've mentioned a few times, I think – the most important thing is keeping Jared Allen out of foul trouble, but also um, I think Garland needs to be able to shoot just 25 times at the minimum. And if he can put up 30 or maybe even 40 with that amount of shots, then I mean, you guys are going to have a very good chance to pull out the W. Yeah. Well, hopefully that does happen. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> It's going to be a great game for sure. And we have another battle March 16th and another one in early April. And on my end, Sixers have a very easy path to winning this game. Uh, a, Joel Embiid, game's leading score. B, I think 13 threes. And I think C, it's apply pressure on Garland because without Levert, anyone he passes to pretty much, will, unless it's Mobley a couple times a game, but no one's going to be able to create off that double-team pass by themselves if the shot isn't right there, whether it's Wade, Osman, Love, Markinen's been, been hit or miss. Yep. Oh, I once you're done, too, I just want to – can you give a quick update on Dylan Windler? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know what's going on there. You know, his, his minutes are uh, – and, and, and the last thing is – Again, double team happens. No one can get their shot. Sixers win, sadly. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But, yeah, so Dylan Windler, it's, I don't even know, to be honest with you. Like, he, he's had some good runs, Donnie, this year. Like we've, we've all seen Dylan Windler have some good games, some good shots, some nice finishes, good rebounds, good defensive moments. But I think given the rotation and the other players, Jetty Austin's been there longer, and he's been incredible this season. You know, Kevin Love has been unreal this year at times and then it's hard because Lamar Stevens at stretches has been a, a integral part of winning so is Dean Wade and they're not even in the regular rotation necessarily so I think the thing with Willard is that so many injuries and he's just hasn't flashed and he hasn't had the confidence when he's on the court to shoot every time like he should be I think it's led to him as the team has progressed a little faster than expected to be kind of left in the dust so I don't know what his future holds. I would imagine he's not in Cleveland next year and that they, I don't know what they did with the option. If there even was an option, but I, I would assume he's elsewhere. Cause I don't, if I'm him, I want to spread my wings or I'd go to Europe for a little while and down. I could go, he can go to the G league and score 30. Again. Yeah. Even the G league. Yeah. And he'd light it up. So I think we're going to have to wait and see, but I know you, you've been a big one <laughs> guy from the beginning. I liked him at Belmont too. I watched him in the first four go off, but I don't know. I don't know what his future holds. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see, but 
hopefully it turns around for him. I, I hope so. Very fun to watch. He, he literally missed the whole season and gets hurt in his first game the next year, misses a month <laughs> by falling on it. He fell bad. So, like, that's you can't write these things. The one thing I do like, though, uh, the Cavs game last night, they showed a video during one of the intermissions. And it was Garland and Windler like uh, doing uh, rap poetry like we had Mobley doing recently, and Dylan Windler absolute crushed. On I'm not gonna play the audio of it, but he was he was a menace. I, I don't remember what so something about the yellow hat and the brat and and uh, hanging out with Chow Yun Fat. I don't remember, but it was it was great. So uh, shout out to them, but. Donnie, this brings us to the conclusion. Hard to believe it's already been over 45 minutes of talking hoops. You know, time flies when you're reminiscing, when you're talking about your squads. And uh, it's been great to finally reconnect for the first time in recorded form in five years. You've been saying this for a long time, so I'm uh, glad we could do this. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully it's not another five years. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to hope. Yeah, guys. Frequently. (laughs) <laughs> so it will, we will not have it. Well, so here's the bold prediction then before episode number 1000, which is many years away, Donnie <laughs> Shea will have been a guest again. Let's go. So he booked it before Donnie Shea. I'm Zach Weiss. This has been the latest installment of Across the Cast. It's episode number 102. We will catch you next week. Content TBD. But looking forward to coming back. And if you enjoyed what you heard, check it out on Spotify, Apple, I heart, you name it. But until then, this is Across the Cat.